Alright guys, what is up? Welcome back to another episode of the Random Convo Podcast. Today's guest is one of my good friends um, from the Marine Corps. Um, his name is Aaron Verdon. Um, we met back in 2011, and I thought I'd just, you know, introduce him and uh, share a couple of stories that we had together during our time in the Marine Corps. Uh, so, you know, just enjoy the fucking show. Hey, what's up, dude? Hey, what's up, brother? There we go. So what's up with this podcast thing? Well, you're on it right now. <laughs> no, I, I, I see that. Is this like some new talk show that you're uh, trying to use to educate people or to kill downtime or what? A little a little, mi- a little mixture of both. Uh, so it's called the Random Convo Podcast, basically. You know me and my crazy stories, many of which we've had together. Um mm-hmm. And I just wanted to share with everybody, basically, you know, random stories of friends or just me and my adventures. And kind of let people know that they're not alone. And yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, I'm a, you know, like, well, I like to hear a lot of talk radio or I used to like to hear a lot of talk radio. So especially when I was like driving somewhere, when I was driving back and forth from Pendleton to L.A., it, it was a good way to kill time in traffic. And uh, the last job before I joined the Army again, uh, I would hear a podcast every morning to and from work. And it's fucking awesome because on the radio, you got to hear commercial after commercial. Um, being on the podcast, it's your own it's your own platform. So you could make you could decide if you want um Excuse me, like sponsors and stuff like that. So I could put commercials in if I had the opportunity to. But hey, you know, for somebody that just wants to hear a random story or just hear me talk, I, I was like, hey, why don't why don't I just uh, start a podcast? So here I am. But uh, with all that being said, I'm gonna introduce you properly. Uh, well, actually, you could do the introduction. <laughs> you still there? Hello? Yo. Can you hear me? God damn it. Yo, can you hear me? Can you hear me now? Yeah, what happened? All right, so this is what happened. I connected to my Wi-Fi network. Oh, okay. After, so kind after of I joined the thing. Yeah. Oh, okay, that's fine. No, I'll, yeah, just, so, I'll leave it off. Yeah, so uh, I'm going to go ahead and do your, your intro. So I've known uh, Aaron. His name's Aaron, first of all, but I, he goes by Verdant to me just because, you know, we're in the Marine Corps together. But anyways, I've known him since 2011, and we've been friends ever since. We lived together for a while in the barracks. And uh, we had a lot of funny stories and funny times with uh, other people <laughs> that will be on that will be on this podcast soon. And uh, we deployed together in what 2011, 2012. Uh, yeah, basically since that. Well, 2010, 2011. Yeah, 2011 and 2012. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah. So he's been one of my longest friendships that I've still maintained. Um, and he's a good friend of mine. So, uh, but yeah, so tell us a little bit about yourself, old man. <laughs> good time. 
like uh, like Oscar Moore said, my name is Aaron. Uh, my full name is Aaron Matthew Verdon. I am a veteran of the Marine Corps. Uh, I was born in Ohio, grew up in Minnesota, came out to California when I listed in the Marine Corps. I got out back in June of 2014, and I now reside in Anaheim, a.k.a. Orange County, California, and I work at a wholesale distributor of roofing supplies known as ABC Supply, a.k.a. American Builders and Contractor Supply. There we go. So for those of you in the construction industry, make sure to hit them up, ABC Construction Supply. You know where to find them. But anyways, yeah. continue. Uh, that's pretty much my life in a nutshell. Uh, I have three sisters, no biological brothers. Although I'm a member of the Marine Corps, I have an infinite amount of brothers. Uh, I have a sister that uh, – I have a sister that I've yet to meet that lives out in – Virginia, she was actually was. Oh, uh, shit, yeah. yeah, so okay. she was, yeah. She uh, she was actually a member of the Navy herself. Uh, her husband is still an active uh, shipman, and they're, uh, ba- they live over in Virginia. Um, shipman or a sailor? Sailor, yeah. Wow, I fucked that up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry to anybody that is a, a current or former member of the Navy listening to this. I apologize. I did not mean to fuck that up. Right. So being the topic with the military, what made you want to join the military? Um, you know, a lot of people join because they uh, they know right up they know uh you know for the longest time or they, they, they grew up in that military background or they you know, they they've been planning for it for a while. I um I'm I'm kind of embarrassed to admit this, but this was this was a, a last what felt like my last option in life to do something meaningful with my life. No matter how long I was in the Marine Corps, I can say that for that period of time, I did something worth proud of. Uh, I had job, I had hopped around from job to job ever since I'd graduated from high school and I'd, I'd gotten let go from uh, my last job prior when I was 23. And I was like, I can't keep doing this. This just isn't working out. It doesn't make sense. And uh, although I didn't know my grandpa for long, I knew that growing up as a kid, I'd always looked up to him and I knew that he was a Marine. I knew that he had served in World War II. Uh, so I knew that if I ever was to enlist in the United States Armed Forces, that it was going to be the, the Marine Corps. And when I reached that point in my life where I thought I was in a corner and had nowhere else to go, I joined the Marine Corps. And almost 10 years later, here I am. Nice, nice. So, before we get into specifics about like the your time in the service, um, let me let you guys know um, the stigma basically for the for for veterans um, within the active duty and veteran community is one of two things: either you get out, you do what you say you're gonna do, or you get out, you lose track of uh, your goals and dreams, which is sad, but it's it's a it's a fact that, you know, is out there. But fortunately enough, um, all my all my brothers that I served with in the Marine Corps that have gotten out um, have been fortunate enough to follow their dreams. And, you know, Aaron's one of them. You know, when uh, he told me that he was getting out and he was not moving back home to Minnesota, I was like, God damn, dude, like California is expensive. And he literally hit the ground running. Uh, he always had a place of his own and he fucking made it happen. So. But yeah, so let's get into your time in service. So how did, uh, let's let everybody know how we met. (laughs) (laughs) 
So when I first checked into the unit with a uh, former brother of ours who I would be surprised is still alive. Granted, I mean, you know, probably locked, he's probably in jail after that one incident he pulled like two years ago. Uh, no, he is in jail. Last time I checked. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Oh, damn. Yeah, but that's probably another story for another podcast. Yeah. Uh, which, you know, you can't like say this much and then not tell. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, not that we like talking shit on other people. It's just one of those stories that you... Yeah. Anyways, um, when I first checked into the unit, our old supply chief, Staff Sergeant Fluke, uh, brought me and uh, TD over there. And you guys were still... I think you guys were just coming out of a field op. Yeah, we're at, we're at the... We're on our at-sea periods, which is basically you're out at sea on these uh ships these navy ships oh it was, to... it was that sea period because you guys were already starting to, to ra- or start to work yeah we're wrapping up we're racking up we were wrapping up our workups that you so fortunately missed the fucking brutal hikes but anyways i continue yeah i am lucky um so yeah so you guys are just wrapping up your your workups or or you're at sea periods however you want to call it and uh you guys had just gotten back you know we first met outside and then we came inside and we were just all sitting around in the office and uh i think t was one of those people that always just likes to talk he doesn't matter who he was around what situation he was involved or what the environment was he always liked to talk and uh, he started talking to either you or Barango or someone, and we all started talking about where we had come from. And then our heritage came into play, and you had said that you were Mexican. And me, just like not knowing any better, I guess, or however you want to put it, I was like, oh, I'm Mexican too. And you took one good look at me, and you're like, bitch or white? <laughs> <laughs> or you're yeah, a white bitch, something like that. I um, do remember that. But, uh, but now... Now that I've picked up on some Spanish, uh, I did not know that best case scenario, I was just a straight up widow, you know. Yeah. Uh, but it, it is what it is, uh, you know, and, I, and now that I've dated not one but two girls that were, you know, straight up Mexican, lived the full life, you know, half family, has family back in Mexico, has gone to Mexico. Each of them had their own quinceada. The whole works, you know. They really lived their culture. And a lot of people say they are a certain heritage, but did they really live it? You know, if you say you're German, did you really live, you know, in, in Germany? Do you speak it fluently and and so forth? And I could go on and on about this, but this is another podcast for another time. So, yeah, um, you know, I really didn't realize how white I was until dating two different girls that were, were actually Mexican. And then, of course, you know, being around you and your family. But there's nothing, obviously nothing wrong with that. I just, I realized at that point, I truly was not Mexican. I had it in, I had it in part of my DNA. My dad was, you know, Mexican full on. But I mean, then again, my, I mean, the half part of me that is. was Mexican was he is straight up the most whitewashed Mexican you could ever, whatever, meet. Yeah, I mean, he is. Don't say was, motherfucker. He ain't dead. Oh yeah, he is, and it's not like he ever picked up <laughs> Spanish eventually. You know, he yeah, he still very is. Yeah, but uh, oh yeah, not 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 to mention, uh, Aaron's mom is Caucasian. She is American, and his dad <laughs> is of Mexican descent. Um, but yeah, so, so yeah, so we met. I still remember that day. We we're I think we had done McMap. For those of you who don't know what McMap is, it's a Marine Corps martial arts program. And I remember uh, these two goofballs came in and like. That one guy that he mentioned, I'm not gonna say his name because he's, he's like Voldemort, you know. He, 
That's an awesome he calls, analogy. He calls me. He calls me so much like fucking heartache and shit on the on the Mew. So fuck that guy. Anyways, yep. um, I remember seeing these two guys and. Like the first thing out of this guy's mouth was just like not errands, but the other guy was like some smart ass remark, and I was like, "Do you know who you're fucking talking to?" Like, anyways, but from then on, when I heard Aaron talk, I knew that he wasn't he wasn't like that, and that he wasn't rude like this other motherfucker. And, so, and just to just to add on to what you had just said, when 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 Oscar says, "Do you know who you're fucking talking to?" It means that that TD or he who sh- he who shampies. Named or however you want to put that, I forgot how that, that Harry Potter phrase goes. Yeah, he he who should not be named. Yeah, so he who should not be named was talking. Just say his fucking name. <laughs> okay. TD TD just outright went up to him, Oscar, and said something without you know addressing him by his rank. Was being way too relaxed, and in the Marine Corps, and a lot and some of the other branches, you know, depending on your MOS and your shop that you're a part of. There is, there's a chain of command. There's supposed to be structure. There's supposed to be respect. There's supposed to be, you know, a uniform code. And that's what separates the civilian or the members of the military from the civilian line, you know? So, and that's why Oscar Moore just said, you know, do you know who you're fucking talking to? Yeah, yeah, solid. Motherfucker. 15 minutes. So, later. pretty much, sorry, pretty much uh, ch- checked him, so to speak. Yeah. And he was just like, whoa, bro, like, relax. And I was like, who's. Who the fuck does motherfucker think he is? Anyways, but from that that day on, I knew he was gonna be trouble. But and that's that's kind of that, that's kind of now that we're talking about the military life, that's kind of one of the problems, you know. Like people, they go through boot camp, they go through MOS school, and sometimes even like within your first couple of weeks of your MOS school, you already start to get relaxed. You know, you're out of that oh yeah, yeah. boot camp life, and you just completely go back to what you were or how you were before that. Exactly. But uh, but yeah, so that's how that's how we met, and then uh, well, that was our initial um, what is it called? How would you just call that? Like that was how we yeah, that's how we met. We didn't really start talking until fuck, I don't even remember. So uh, we didn't start like, yeah. talking, you know, and getting to know each other until I mean, we got back, you know. Well, I mean, we would have talked like when we were in the shop, like up until we we left. But I remember we were on different ships because. Let's see. It was you and Alamon, um, which you guys heard me mention him. He's other. He's other really good friends from the Marine Corps. Love the guy too. Uh, he has his own podcast too, by the way. He's the one I was telling you guys about. Uh, Thinking twice. Uh, he actually made a podcast episode. He also made a podcast episode about uh, about me, or not about me, but he mentioned me. Um, but anyways, um, Aaron and Alamon Jesus were on the same ship. I was with. TD, unfortunately, on mine, and uh, I remember we met up in Hong Kong, and like we hung out. Do you remember that? Yeah, that's probably the first time we got to know each other. Yeah, we hung out. We hung out in Hong Kong, and we we're just like talking about like how fucking sick we were of uh, those guys within our platoon mm-hmm. that were on our ship. Yep. And uh, and yeah, I remember we hung out in Hong Kong. We ate some. Uh, we ate at some fucking like local fucking restaurant. Didn't know what the fuck we were ordering. I ended up eating pigeon. <laughs> you ended up eating some some kind of fucking ramen or some shit. But um, what is it called? Yeah. So, but yeah. So once we got back from deployment, we ended up hanging out more. Um, I ended up staying in the barracks with them. You know, I would do that drive from California. I'm sorry, California. What I'm talking about? 
sometimes I would I would do the drive from Clampelton to Los Angeles over the weekend at times and get out. And uh, during the week, I would stay with Aaron and was it? Yeah, it was Aaron, it was you and Alamon. Yep. And Beto. Close the door. Yeah, right? It was, yeah, it was Beto, you, and uh, and Alamon. But, like I said, uh, all these guys, you guys are going to meet them um, with, with, with time. Um, of course, some of us have uh, busy lives. Of course, I've been trying to get Aaron on here for the longest, but, you know, he is a, he is a busy bee. Um, he... That's why I'm still making it out here. And it's true. I mean, no, no, uh, nothing against you, but goddamn, boy, you are a workaholic. No, I, uh, he was. I've uh, honestly, you know, work and school is always going to be busy until I graduate at the end, of, which is going to be at the end of this year. Finally, Fuck. Yeah. talk about dragging my feet. <laughs> but uh, I'll do a quick sidebar. I really hate to fucking steal the show, but no, no, it's good. This this episode is about you and. And just our stories. So go so ahead. So one, on one of the probably, well, without a doubt, is the most popular topic going on right now is is COVID nineteen. Obviously, it's affecting everyone in the entire world, uh, especially here in America right now because it's it's barely about to peak, let alone be over with. Um, my girlfriend uh, is a PCA at the Long Beach Hospital. She actually today is her first day. Of officially being a PCA, she just finished a program two weeks ago. She had two weeks off, and today's her first day. And the Long Beach Hospital is one of the three hospitals in North California that is home to any of the coronavirus victims in California. California, yeah. and so she won't be. What is PCA? Uh, PCA is is a personal care assistant, so they're like an assistant to a nurse. Oh, okay. yeah. Uh, in in, in lame terms, I I honestly don't know like the real. Um, but um, yeah. So she won't be in direct contact with them. I mean, obviously, you wouldn't put anyone in direct contact. But there are nurses and doctors that are assigned to these patients that have COVID nineteen, and and they go into the room that's being quarantined, and they have to put on us like a special suit, of course, and all of that. But Cynthia won't even be doing that. But still, she is working at the hospital that is home to these, and so it's. So because she's trying to be as smart about it as possible, like as long as she works there and this thing is going on, like we'll still live underneath the same roof, but we really can't see each other. She'll come home and go straight into the bedroom or come home and straight and, and go straight to the bathroom, take a shower and go into the bedroom. And that's it. We're not even like even allowed to see each other in passing. And it's just going to be really weird. So that's what's been going on lately. And so we've been trying to talk it out and figure out you know, how you want to do, do everything. And I've contemplated about moving out, you know, so she could live more comfortably because she's obviously the one that's, you know, living or working at a very stressful place right now. So, but we just agreed that we'll both stay here underneath the same roof, but we're just not allowed to really, you know, I mean, obviously the, the obvious thing is, is social distancing right now. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. So, yeah. I mean, you could always just, you could always just uh, sleep in your truck. I mean, yeah, I could. I mean, it's not like you haven't slept in uh, worse places. I know, yeah. right? But uh, but yeah, so yeah, that's that's crazy, dude. That is ridiculous. I don't know. I don't know. It was to that extent that she actually worked in the hospital where it's it's there. That's that's ridiculous. Um, so let's see. A couple questions I have for you. So, getting back into in terms of military, so. 
do you think the military has set you do you think the military set you up for anything as far as in life um you know one thing that i've kind of kind of come to grasp about a lot of things in general about life is everything is case by case you know so yes the military definitely can set you up for success it's just how you play your cards and i will admit that there are some people that no matter what they fucking do they get fucked over it's a really it's a oh, really yeah. shitty thing you know you you fucking you know, <laughs> <Wait>. you, <laughs> you was fucking over at birth though <laughs> oh, I love that. Oh, guy, man. Though. Fucking that type of kid with his condition, homeschooled. I mean, he was fucked before he came into the Marine Corps. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to text him, but like, wait, do you want to be a part of the podcast? <laughs> yeah, right. You, know, you don't have time for that. He's running his fucking special ops fucking security, whatever the fuck he does. <laughs> oh, no. No, but yeah. So. Yeah, so. Yes, now, yes, the military can, you know, set you up for success because, you know, like for me, I came in, I did my three and a half years. Some people actually do their full four years and then I got out. <clears throat> there you go. More power to you. And, you know, I, I without a doubt took uh, or with, without hesitation took advantage of our of our perks, one of them being the GI Bill, you know, you know, and, and after that. You know, right around when I'm, I'm done graduating high school, I'm gonna start focusing on on a house that I want to buy. <laughs> when you start graduating high school, you college, that college. too. See, see what happens when you go on a rant. You start throwing random words into your yeah. sentences. <laughs> no, no, that that's good though. But um, do you regret joining? No, um, I I never regret it. I the only thing I regret is the the circumstances that I put myself because there are people that like yourself. That, you know, you knew you wanted to do something great with your life and you wanted to be a man in uniform and you just, you know, and I can't really speak for you, but your, you know, your biggest issue probably was which service do I go into, you know, if there was. But I mean, for me, it was like I was kind of forced to, into a really bad situation to come to that conclusion, you know. Yeah, man, I, I mean, I, I put myself that. in no. that, that hole. Yeah. I mean, shit. Now that I look back at it, man, I would have, if I would have joined the Air Force back then, man, I would have been like the Sergeant Major equivalent of uh, of the Air Force right now, man. Like, fuck. Bro. I'll say, like, I'll say, God I'll say damn. this though. I'll say this though. I, someone like me, and and knowing you too, and you are you are my friend. You know, we have stubborn personalities. We need something that is just gonna be, you know up in our shit, you know, putting us in check and making us realize, hey, if this is the black and white. This is right and wrong. You know, you're in shape, you're not. You're in regs or not. Your uniform is fucking, you know, clean, squared Shitty. away or not. Or a fucking bag of donuts, like Sergeant Major would call a Staff Sergeant Fluke. Well, no, a bag of donuts. <laughs> like a soup, looks like a soup no. sandwich. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> No, he never called. He, no, he never called Staff Sergeant Fluke that. He what he said, and I remember Staff Sergeant Fluke said this. He come, he comes back, and he was like moaning and groaning about the staff NCO inspection, and he was just like telling the. I think it was still at that time Lieutenant Butters was with, was with us. He was saying yes, that yeah, Sergeant Major was yelling at all of us. If you look like a bag of donuts, get the fuck out of here. 
it, it was the implied. No, he was. Well, Sergeant Major was just saying that in general. You know, just yelling at everybody before the oh. actual inspection had started. So I shouldn't. I shouldn't talk like oh, that. That's okay. actually. I'm sure there's a lot of fucking Marines out there. Like, how the fuck do you talk about a fence like that? So I won't. Yeah. I won't say anything like that again because that is disrespectful. Um. So. Speaking about all that right now, so when uh when Aaron came aboard to the the platoon or whatever, that platoon was probably the best best platoon I ever served with in the Marine Corps. Because yeah. after deployment, after deployment, um, nine months after deployment, I I got uh orders to go to another unit on on Camp Pendleton. I had I had a PCA permanent change of assignment, which sucked because I had deployed with these guys, so I had you know trained up, did a workup deployment, trained up with these guys, and like did everything with them and then just come back and go somewhere else was like a major, 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 like, um, kicking the nads basically. Cause I like, I would tell my, my supply chief, like, Hey, like email the monitor and tell him that I will reenlist indefinitely just to stay at this, at this unit. Cause that unit was the best unit I've ever served with in the military. Um, I have not met an, I have, well, I'm still in the military now, but I don't think there will be a unit that will top that in terms of camaraderie and the brotherhood because that unit was the definition of that bond and that brotherhood that you build in the military. It, but to say the it least, was probably the best example you could get out of like what is good about the Marine Corps. Yep. Um, but the, our leadership that we had, our direct leadership in that platoon, that shop, was just phenomenal um one i already mentioned staff sergeant fluke uh, he's no longer a staff sergeant i'm pretty sure he's a gunny probably looking at either master or first sergeant you know hopefully uh i wouldn't doubt it if he's already one of the two um then we had uh he got out as a captain i believe captain butters yep. another fucking amazing like the best oic i've ever had mm-hmm. um then we had uh guys like uh sergeant boyd oh man sergeant boyd, he's best. uh he's he was the epitome of what an NCO is in the Marine Corps. Then I had a uh, Donaldson. He was a uh, my sergeant. Another like I learned all my my uh, MOS, um, my my job basically from him, and his leadership carried on through me, and which is which I'm not carrying on into the army. Um, and then uh, everybody else that followed after that, you know, each played their part, but the original the original uh, fucking team that we had on deployment was just, Oh God, it was, it was beautiful. Like we were a family. Like I remember my supply chief, he would go up to bat for our platoon or, you know, our shop, like, nah, fuck that. Like if they needed something from us, he'd be like, nah, fuck that. Um, if the battalion commander needed something from supply, they try to like bully us. Uh, at the time he was a Lieutenant, Lieutenant Butters would be like, nah, we're not doing that shit. Like for those of you not in the military for, somebody of his rank of he was a lieutenant at the time to be going against the word of a battalion commander um which is like it's usually lieutenant colonel um is it's pretty it's pretty ballsy of him but he fucking took care of his guys and you know he told us you know he opened up to us saying that he fucking loved us and i remember when he fucking told us that like i fucking cried do you remember that day when did he say it to us was he on ship with you no, he told us that when we got back. Like, he sat us all down in the fucking office. Like, everybody in the fucking shop. Like, he literally sat everybody down and he just, like, told us that, like, 
he was gonna get out or whatever. Limitin Core, that was his last unit, and uh, oh, yeah. or, or or no, no, that he was going to Quantico yeah. or, or he was going to MC, he was going to uh, MCRD or whatever. But I remember he told us that he he fucking loved us, and I and I know he meant it because goddamn it, it's man. like it's like it's like um. It's kind of like in boot camp, you know, like you, you work your ass off for these assholes who make your life a living hell and you're almost convinced that they hate you. And their life mission, their life, their life's mission was one, had one purpose and for you to hate life for three months. And then you finally make, you finally earn that title United States Marine and then they start showing you a little respect and you just feel like, like you just, you've, you've climbed, you've climbed Mount Everest, you've accomplished it all you just you feel so good about yourself and or it's just like for the civilians out there listening to this just think of like the greatest accomplishment you've ever had multiply that times a million and that's what that felt like because like we said earlier in in this conversation in in the marine corps or in well let's just say the marine corps um in the marine corps there is so much structure and there's respect of your of your chain of command and for someone to to level with you and be real with you and talk to you. And it was almost like he was talking to us on a first name basis. It was just, and someone that you, you, you respected so much, you know, I, I didn't know him like you did. Um, you know I mean? I, I knew of him, but I didn't know him like you did. And, and that's not like, I didn't, I didn't resent you for that. You just, you had just had more time and opportunities with him to get to know him. And, but yeah, he, he really was fucking cool. I mean, he was, uh, wasn't he enlisted like a staff sergeant? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. He was so a uh, little quick bio on him. If you're if you're listening, sir, hey, hope you're doing good. And uh, me and Verdon, we love you. <laughs> Anyways, uh, yeah. So he was what's known as a Mustang. Um, in the Marine Corps, that's uh when you go from officer. I'm sorry, from enlisted to officer. And he got up to the rank of I want to say staff sergeant, going on to become gunnery sergeant. I think he was getting selected. He was selected, but. He had just, I want to say he had just uh, began his family. Um, and of course, you know, back in the day, times were tougher than what they are now. I remember him telling me that he would like his paycheck was just fucking garbage. Like, like he wouldn't be making shit anyways. So it was in his best interest to stay in. But he um, throughout his time as enlisted, as an enlisted uh, Marine, he got his degree. Um, but along with that, he was also at one point the nation's top recruiter i think like two years in a row i want to say then not just like his state and his city no it was like the fucking the whole united states he was a top marine recruiter like i want to say two years in a row but anyways yeah he was a recruiter yeah he was a recruiter um and yeah so he went from enlisted to officer and a lot of in any branch anybody that does that jump um and then they stay within their mos or i mean their mos field or just in general, they're looked at differently than somebody that goes to college and then just gets commissioned because they know the struggle of being in a, a junior enlisted and knows all the bullshit that happens on in the enlisted side. So they know how to approach situations and tasks and missions differently than a brand new fucking bu- uh, new butter bar because <laughs> God damn it. Like... <laughs> butter bar. I forgot that. You know, you know what it's I mean? Like, like, it's like for, for you civilians and, out there, imagine you're working for someone that's like fucking 19 or 20 years old, has been fed the silver spoon their entire life, wet behind the ears, and any form of management skills, and then, and then but they're your boss, and then you don't know shit about shit. And then you have someone who's just a couple years older, 
so much smarter, well-rounded in life in general, and then and and, and obviously a little bit more well-rounded, well-rounded in the job itself, whatever job that may be. And they're just a tremendous leader. That's what it felt like with Captain Butters. Yep. And uh, and yeah. So when he made that transition, like he had like on day to day operations, like in in the in the office, like he fucking ran that thing. Like it was fucking it was awesome. Like and uh, yeah, like he he fucking uh, treated his uh, his Marines with fucking dignity and respect. He was stern but mm-hmm. fair, you know. But god damn that man. Oh, that man was fucking hilarious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was fucking oh, Yeah, he was. So, he was a fucking, he was a goofball yeah. too, but yeah. he was hilarious. But uh, to give you guys a quick little, uh, <laughs> so our office, right? So it was me, Aaron, you know, we had our OIC, which is officer in charge. It was Captain Butters, Lieutenant at the time. We had Staff Sergeant Fluke. He was yeah. supply chief. Um, then, we, then we had uh, Donaldson. He was corporal at the time after deployment he was a sergeant then you had me you had td you had berengal you had a verdon and in the warehouse you had sergeant boyd you had padilla renata and i think fuck what's his name some other mexican oh, motherfucker yeah. you had we don't, we don't even remember his name because he was like so antisocial. but i know he's yeah name. but anyways wait but you uh, forgot what yeah so well, no, I'm, I'm leading into it. <laughs> so then, basically, the star of our shop our was this guy named Wit. I mean, Wit, if you're listening to this, dude, much love and respect to you, bro. But, like, goddamn, you made our time in 3-1 the best time ever. <laughs> yeah, like, not, you cannot make up these stories. This guy, okay, so for those of you guys that watch The Office... Wit is the equivalent of Dwight Schrute. He is a smart motherfucker. <laughs> he knows his sh- like he knows like history. Like, be like, hey, Wit, did you know? Uh, like, tell me a little bit about the Battle of eighteen twelve. He'd be like, ah, so uh, the Battle of eighteen twelve. <laughs> the Battle of eighteen twelve. You know, like he would go on rambling about like who was there, what fucking uh, what season it was of you know the tobacco and you know. Like he was, oh god! <laughs> but uh, but he was a little on the klutzy side, and you know it was it was funny to say the least. Like just the small things that he would do. Like oh, and like when I first got there, he drove this big ass like I think it was like a ninety eight Dodge Ram. <laughs> 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 he fu- all right, so just. For those of you that live in LA or you know just in the big city in general, where you have like those public transit, you know those those big ass buses, or just the regular sized bus, but obviously it's big, right? Just imagine. Okay, no, it wasn't even that big his truck, but it was big in comparison to I me. Mean, he was like if he, he acted like if he drove a bus because that thing. <laughs> I remember, I remember one time he crashed into a parked car, and uh, it, it was it, it was a brand new car. And the staff sergeant that fucking uh that the car was, he fucking he went off like he was like what the fuck, <laughs> um and uh he went off on him, and uh or like wait what's going on he's like oh I don't know it just came out of nowhere we're like wait the fucking car was parked bro like <laughs> so, that's not the first car he crashed either I, no I know so apparently this guy like. 
almost like send a couple cars off the road going up uh, towards Mateo. You know, like they'll mm-hmm. be like that hill once you leave Horno. And uh, anyways, but yeah, so it got to it got so bad that he was just like in so he was basically a driving uh, a driving hazard, yeah. a road hazard that my uh, corporal at the time, he took it upon himself and the leadership to be like, hey, wait. If you don't get a smaller car, we are gonna like we're gonna revoke your driving privileges just because you're just a hazard on the road. So he ended up getting a fucking PT cruiser, and <laughs> I mean he wasn't in any more accidents. I think the only other accident that I remember was when he uh, I don't know if you remember, but yeah. when he crashed into the light post because there was a fucking you're to, like get out. Too. There was a fucking no. There was there was a moth in his car, and he was trying to fucking fight it. <laughs> remember what I heard. and uh... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, I don't remember what he said, but I do remember like he was. He saying said that. he said like what something like he. Oh, it was so funny because it, it was like he just like he didn't even like think about it. He just I just said it. He was like he was like wait, let the moth fly so you won't die or something like that. Yeah, it, it was just hilarious. And like I remember, uh, it was oh, on a yeah, weekend. On a too, so night. it was on a Saturday night. I remember I was at home in L.A. and I get the text saying because he was one. He was my marine. Um. I remember uh, I get the text saying, I think it was from you or from Aya, one of the two. And uh, it's a picture of Witt's car, like fucking the front, like yeah, caved in a little bit. And it's him. The front crashing. The front end was just totaled. Yeah, he was... destroyed the engine. And what's funny is on base, the speed limit is so much fucking slower than what you would ever see out there in the civilian world. So you're thinking, how can you be driving five miles an hour? And just still be able to total his car like that. Yeah, so it's funny because I remember they, uh, so what happened was, so the MPs got there. I guess he called the MPs or whatever. I don't remember, but I guess they asked him, like, hey, mind you, this is at like at 12 at night. And uh, they asked him, have you been drinking? And, you know, Whit being the fucking good Marine that he is, having integrity, you know, JG did tie buckle. Um, he fucking, he don't do it. He's like, ah, yes, actually. I had about two mimosas. Uh, <laughs> and then he's like, when did you have those drinks? He's like, uh, I had them around 1130 this morning. And then the MP was just like, all right, man. So it wasn't earlier. It, it wasn't any time like within the last two or three hours. He's like, no, it was at 1130. He's like, all right, dude, just get the fuck out of here. So they basically let him off like with a, a warning because they were just like, bro, you literally just drank two mimosas and you, you wanted to fucking play uh, chicken with a fucking pole. <laughs> Like, <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, but other than that, Wit was a well, he is he was a good Marine. Um, he fucking would work his ass off, but just like Aaron said, he would get fucked over. Like, god damn, I mean, he it was uh, kind of like he got uh, fucked over, he didn't help himself out, you know. <laughs> well, hold on, before <laughs> I forget, before I forget, I still remember that. When we got back from deployment, remember how we were doing a was it alternating block leave? Oh yeah. Offset like like the first first uh like one side of the platoon one side of the <laughs> shop would take uh like the first half. The, <laughs> so, I remember when I was signing out on leave, it was me, Sergeant Boyd, and a couple of guys from the platoon were there signing out on leave. You know, with the with the with the duty, and uh, Wick goes in there and he goes up. I guess he, he was like in front of all of us. <laughs> and he like he's like what the hell what and then we're like we're looking and saying what's going on so we, we pull him off to the side and we're like what's going on he's like ah apparently 
I was uh, slotted to take the first block leave, so now I don't have any more leave days. So somebody, <laughs> so he was technically on leave for the first block, and he, he was trying to take leave the second block, and uh, it wasn't his fault or anything, but it was just fucking hilarious. Like <laughs> I remember, Sarn Boy was just like, "Wait, you a fucking <laughs> idiot!" And we were just laughing, and he was like shitting bricks, but he ended up going on leave. Um, to make a long story short, um, but yeah, so. He ended up getting screwed up. He would always be off on working parties, like, but that never, that never brought his spirit down. Like, he was just a fucking, he was a motivator. Like, the funniest thing, though, and I, I know you were there for that, was when he was ready to get out, and then he ended up finding out that he had, like, that gun disease or whatever, that it was hereditary, and then they told him, he's like, I could either get out, and I'll lose my teeth within, <laughs> within six, nine months. <laughs> or <laughs> I could extend for a year and a half, have the Marine Corps pay for my fucking dentures, and uh, I'll be good. Because it was uh, he ended up choosing staying in for another year and a half, wow. and um, it it was like a hundred thousand dollar procedure, like out in the civilian world. But I think weren't you the one that took him to his uh, appointments down in? Uh, no, San Diego? that was, was that my one? lucky. <laughs> that shit was fucking hilarious. He looked like a fucking <laughs> shark when he came back. Oh, <laughs> uh, you can see those fucking teeth from a mile but, away. They were so bright. Hell yeah, they were. But uh, but yeah, so that was uh, those were one of many funny times or good good shit that we uh or experiences that we got to meet the wonderful. He doesn't David deserve just one pa- podcast. Uh, he de- he deserves like a fucking a six series six part special or some shit like that. Yeah, he definitely does. Now, right now that we're on the topic of just reminiscing bullshit, do you remember the time that you fucking you caused a perforated eardrum on Alamon? Yeah, because I fucking I try to punch I try to punch him, but I fucking (laughs) my fucking dumbass like I had my hand cupped and because I my arm moved faster than my fucking hand decided to form a fist, I basically took a cup and slapped the shit out of his ear, and it popped his eardrum. <laughs> that shit was funny, because I just remember hearing you guys tussle outside, and he was just like, are you fucking serious, bro? You slapped me? And then the next day, he goes to BAS, and they end up telling him that he had a perforated eardrum, and then we get like a company formation saying, like, don't be horse playing in the barracks, and then he would, like, put the the article for assault of the UCMJ on your desk for like the whole week. That's, that's what, that. what blew my mind away the most is that kid came off as a fucking idiot, but he, Alman's fucking smart as fuck. He just, Oh, Alman's smart as fuck. Yeah. He just played like an idiot. But Alman, if you're listening to this, what's up? You're going to be on here soon. Hopefully. But anyways, yeah, that was that. And then, uh, I know you probably forgot about this, or you probably don't want to talk about it. But do you remember the time that you left? <laughs> that you left um, uh, all the monsters. Uh, yeah. that, that was fucked up. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! So, oh, god damn it, that's hilarious. So I think you know, first of all, first of all, I'm a, you, you can laugh out. at it because I was a dumbass that pulled that shady ass move. Because that wasn't even an accent. That was that was a conscious decision. For me to better myself. So so here's the thing. I didn't have a car at the time. And that shisty motherfucker. Baron girl. Was like hey. 
go get help, go help me get my car. And because I didn't know what was going on, he couldn't drive. His, his, his license had been like, uh, suspended or revoked or some shit like that. He just wasn't allowed to be driving himself around. So I drive his car or I know I drive him in, in, in fucking Almond's truck off base to where he left his car, which was right out, right out, right off, of, right outside of the base in San Clemente. We left his truck there and I didn't think anything through. And I just, I fucking took Barangale back in his car, back onto base. And then Almond's like, where's my truck? And I was like, oh, I just left it outside. And I just really didn't think about it. And he's like, motherfucker. So you help him go find his truck and his truck was being fucking towed as you guys got to it. I mean, if, if it <laughs> were know? like five seconds fucking later, he would have had to fucking go to wherever it was impounded at and then, you know, get it out, get it out of there. So I, I just, yep. I didn't fuck. I made, first of all, it was a stupid and a fucking greedy move that I did on my part because Bango said that if I helped him out, that he would sell that car to me, and thank God he, I never fucking bought that piece of shit. Because if I was ever stuck with that thing, oh my God, I would have fucking hated life even more. But nonetheless, to not distract <laughs> anyone from what I had done, oh man, if you're listening, I was a fucking idiot. I was greedy, and I apologize. But I remember because uh, Alon would not let that go. He would always be like, oh, hey, guys, don't let Vernon park, uh, borrow your car. Like, yeah, you, you know, I'll be honest with you. Now that we're talking about our, my relationship with Alamon or the relationship Ow. that the friendship oh. that was never there, you know, just like TD fucked with you in the beginning, I was fucking with Alamon. Like, I didn't show that dude any fucking respect. And that was a, that's, that's probably one of the biggest problems is when you come in as an older Marine – and you're like around younger guys, but they hold the same rank as you, or they hold a higher rank. Some people don't know how to show that fucking respect. And Almond was a Lance Corporal when I came in as a PFC. Yep, and I remember he he'd be like, "How about you fucking address me by Lance Corporal?" And they'd be like, "Yes, Lance Corporal, I Lance Corporal." Yeah, so like he, the thing with Almond is he always loved to fuck. Well, I mean, now that he's out, I'm sure he still does even more. He's always like to fuck around. And I was a little too serious of a person to get along with that. And, you know, people people like you and oh, Wit and Beto and T2 that were, you know, just more down to earth or relaxed, it never seemed to bother you, you know? Not unless he, like, focused on you like he did with me and just, like, loved to fucking fuck with you. And he knew he'd get with it. He knew he'd get with yeah. it because he was a sneaky motherfucker, but you could see because I wore my emotions on my skin that he was eventually going to get to me. So I yeah. I tried to be cool with him, but right. he always knew that it was yeah. fucking fake, and I I knew it was fake, so it was just like don't even fucking try anymore. That shit was fucking hilarious, man. I mean, now that you're talking about all this, we need to get Beto on here. So Beto, Jeffrey Beto, hope you're listening, bud. Um. We're gonna get you on here with the three of us. Hopefully, the four of us. Me, you, I was, all uh, I was talking about you know, uh, earlier today. Really? So for the, for obviously nobody knows who Beto is, but uh, the listeners out there, my boy Jeffrey Beto, he literally, and I kid you not, sounds exactly <laughs> like Bernie Sanders. He talks like Bernie Sanders. <laughs> he literally talks like Bernie Sanders. Like and we would always. He looked like Bernie Sanders too if he had gray hair. Like, 
Well, yeah. damn, now you think about it, the kind yeah. of with the, with the glasses. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, so, Beto, hey, man, much love to, much love to you, brother. But, God damn, Beto, you, you made a laugh, too, because, like, he would drink his fucking I'll never liver. forget how you fucking just <laughs> you like, Beto, you have a fucking Dorito chip. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god no so Beto what he would do he would oh not only would he drink but he fucking smoked <laughs> like if his life depended on it like every second that wasn't him on the keyboard he was fucking smoking but he wasn't Beto's another fucking uh, another good marine yeah he... um god it was funny though because he, he would be like I'm gonna go smoke more and I'd be like alright Beto cool bro and then, uh, yeah, he'll come back in the office, you know. And then after work, what you gonna do, Beto? Oh, you know, bro, I'm just gonna, <laughs> I'm just gonna get a six pack. That's what he's at. He'll drink his favorite beer is Guinness. Um, that's what he would do. He literally drink his fucking beer. And I remember a couple times, like uh, I remember, I don't know, if, I'm pretty, I know you remember this night, the night where, <laughs> I guess we locked him out of the room. <laughs> But the window was open, <laughs> and we fucking hear, we hear rustling, and we're like, "What the fuck?" It was like two in the morning. It was like a Thursday night, I remember. And uh, we hear rustling, and it's like somebody trying to climb through the window, and it's fucking Beetle. We're like, "What the fuck? Who, who the fuck is that?" And he's like, "Oh, sorry, guys, it's me." You know, like in his fucking Bernie Sanders accent. And uh, I was like, "Dude, why don't you just wake us up?" He's like, "Oh no, like I don't want to wake y'all up." And he was like, "Oh, like, damn, Beetle, you're so sweet." He's like, all right, guys. So as he proceeds to go towards the sink, he ends up just fucking throwing up like his whole intestines. And we're just like, Beetle, you good? He's just over there, like even in Hobbit, like, eh, yeah, I'm good. <laughs> and I think you got up and you got him a fucking trash bag. You were holding his head <laughs> to the fucking. To the no, fucking I remember. Bag. I do remember that now. I remember. I don't know if this is the same night or another night. <laughs> I'm sure it was another night. Uh, he was like. <laughs> He came in, and he lays down on his bed. He fucking passes out. He's obviously pissed drunk. And then, like, at 2 or 3 o'clock in the he's left right next to the window. So he opens the window, puts his head out, and just throws up onto the walkway. And then just goes straight back to bed. Like, it was nothing. And then, and then he fucking, like, the following day... We we get up the following day. He gets dressed, or in his fucking terms, just fucking threw his blouse back on and then went straight to to fucking to work. <laughs> and then he didn't do anything about the, yeah. the fucking puke. Oh. <laughs> oh shit! No, do you remember the night where you and uh you and Alamon got into like a little tussle? And <laughs> poor Beto was on the second, the second, uh, the top bunk, and he was already asleep. And <laughs> you guys started wrestling, and you guys fucking broke the, the frame of the bunk, and he ended up <laughs> falling oh, off yeah. the fucking rack. Do you remember that shit? <laughs> he's like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> oh my god! God damn it! Oh man, I mean. That see that's why that's why I love that unit like the the, the relationships and friendships that I you know came upon was just you can't I have not well I mean I have 
made similar relationships like that. But those those bonds that I created with those people, like those Marines, like will forever be with me, you know. But god damn man, like yeah. that's what I'm saying. Like three one was the shit. I got to my second unit. God damn, that place was fucking shitty. So toxic. Like people now in my units are like, oh yeah, this unit saw it. like no, like this fucking unit is well, this unit was garbage. Probably still is. Um but anyways, that's a different fucking it's another topic to talk about. But anyways, uh yeah, like um I really think the the Marine Corps really set me up for life in the sense that, you know, it instilled with me a lot of discipline. Um added on to my morals and ethics and, you know, just living that disciplined life and being on that straight path and living that, you know, the the straight life or no, not the straight life, believing living a straight life in the sense that you know, just do do your dues and uh, abide by the law and fucking, you know, just, I don't know. <laughs> don't, yeah, don't break the fucking law, basically. Don't break any laws. But, but yeah, so, God, man, that shows that, that place uh, was mm-hmm. a fucking memorable one. God damn. So, um. How's uh, how's everybody back home? Um, I had you on fucking speakerphone with this podcast, but now it it went to like a normal phone call, so to speak. I can't get it back uh-huh. there. That's fine. I mean, all right. I still have you on here. Um, is it like hot over there? Uh, back in Minnesota, 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 I right I don't know. Um, I I would imagine at this point we're there. They're like just coming out of winter and uh, are probably within the first couple of weeks of spring. Um, so like all the snow is probably still melting and it's starting to rain a lot. Um, yeah. Yeah. Damn. Is uh, I mean, obviously you mentioned your situation with this whole uh, situation going on, but is your family still working? No, because I know your parents um, have no how they're up. Uh, position oh they're not well abby she's she's like working remotely or working part-time she'll go in i think what they're doing is they're doing like uh like multiple shifts so like only a handful of people will go in at a time or something like that or it's all a lot of people uh for those you don't know um or living underneath the rock some people are are working off of zoom or working with zoom So, so everything's online uh yeah what else was I going to say? Um, Lorianne, because her job, you know, was at a restaurant, she's obviously out of work. It's not considered an essential necessity of the supply chain. Um, my mm-hmm. mom, she works at a hospital, so she still goes in. Kristen, my older sister, she works at a hospital, so she still goes in. My dad, you know, I think he's enjoying this probably more than anyone else because my dad, 61 years old, uh, has always worked two jobs for the longest for as long as I can remember, sometimes three. And so, like whenever I'd be in town, he'd always be working, tired, or I just hear from everyone how tired he was. And now, you know, uh, the guy has all his downtime in the world. He's not struggling because he's, you know, as you can imagine, saved up a lot of money from all, all those hours that he's worked between his two jobs. Now he's just focusing on his uh, his passion projects. Like one of the main ones is is restoring the the uh the basement of his house 
is turning it into like a legitimate living room and it's really come a long way in these last couple of weeks as opposed to what he's been able to accomplish uh, in the last couple of years because he's always been working. So I'm really happy for him. You still there? Hello? Hello. Well, everything happens for a reason. So, if I'm still being recorded and people can still hear me, uh, it was good catching up with Oscar. There's just isn't enough time in the world to for us to go over all of our memories together. Um, but uh, till the next podcast. For those who listen, thank you for any of you that found this useful or worthy of your time. Awesome. Um, Take care. Goodbye.